What's happening? What's happening? What's happening, people? It's me, Mr. Gavin Cameron, back in again with the How Do You Do It podcast. It's another episode. Thank you for listening. It is much appreciated. Today, I am going to be sitting down with a good friend um, and also a massive inspiration to myself. Um, I call him Mr. Birmingham because he is probably the most... Um, recognized face at the moment when it comes to Birmingham business um, especially when it comes to young black men doing doing the entrepreneurial self-employment thing um, I'm talking about True Powell um, yeah and it was just an amazing conversation we started off at the beginning where his creativity started at a tender age of seven um, putting on events to where he is now with alternative events and some of the major names he's worked with in his time and the two other businesses that he's been running for a few years now. So it's a great listen. I hope you enjoy. Don't forget, if you want to hear some more, you can listen back. Um, just search How Did You Do It podcast on whatever you're listening to me on right now. Um, and also get in touch via the um, Instagram page, Mr. Gavin Cameron. Just search Mr. Gavin Cameron and I'll come up. And thank you to my sponsor, my business, Carbine Guru. Check out at Carbine Guru UK on pretty much everything for the latest offers on car finance and leasing. Here's me and True. Stuff that they that caused by stuff they're selling on the high street. Well, people die more food, from flus and fags. This silly thing, this silly virus. Like how you know, able people, able bodies die more from flus and all the illnesses that they like similar to this virus. But it's just, it's just interesting. It's because it's a global think which is why we have to look and, and the world has to look like they're doing something and every country and nation has to play their part in order to try and combat this global globalized issue this well global actually pandemic. if you're the corona yeah if the, if it was just here in the uk and no one gave a toss then the government wouldn't give a toss either it's interesting i won't go too deep into it. i'll just probably lose listeners to be honest people hear my true views on it but mm. Talking about True, got Mr. True, Powell, Mr. Birmingham, as I call him. <laughs> My guy, what's happening? Good, man, everything's good. Um, good, good, good. Yeah. So, full disclosure, we did an amazing interview before Christmas. And my <laughs> memory card decided to play games with me, so um, it didn't quite come out how, how I was happy with. So I've been lucky enough to get True sat down again. I'm going to talk about his life and how he... Um, how he become the, the entrepreneur that he is today, inspiring people like myself. So starting back growing up in Birmingham, mm-hmm. like you told him before, yeah. you and your siblings. Um, you got how many siblings? Six. Including a twin brother. Yeah. So um, a big family, mm-hmm. a well-known family, as you told him before. Yeah. Um, and as we was talking about, you said that you and your brother were quite creative mm. compared to their traditional black boys growing up in Birmingham mm-hmm. at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Just give the, the people an idea of what that creativity included. What sort of things were you guys into? So we were always um, musically in tuned or creatively in tuned. Um, so whether that was through singing, song and dance, <coughs> drama, um, just pretty much anything creative arts we were actively involved in. Um, whether it was within the area that we were, were at or whether it was in our schools, any class, you know, school plays or any choirs or in the church, like anything that was musically or creatively orientated, we were 
kind of up front and and center mm. um which actually is quite different and unusual for young black boys growing up in the inner city because predominantly you are surrounded by sports and so any escapism for young black boys was sports or some form of gang associated um particularly in 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 the inner city so it was um very rare that you'll get boys from the inner city from a big family so even though i've got seven or six siblings sorry in the seven of us including myself six of us are boys mm. and every other sibling apart from my twin was very sports orientated yeah um very heavily into their football yeah um you know playing semi-pro like they were really good wow okay. um and then there was us who was the diametric opposite to what they were in terms of how they were with their sports we were so creative and so flamboyant with that creativity and so in everything we actually there was um a a dance group um that we became a part of because there wasn't many things that we could get involved in mm-hmm. um uh, creatively um a because if you was looking at the i would say the kind of astute creative art stuff that would happen at the hippodrome or the rep or those kind of drama organizations um they were really expensive and there's no way in how that we could afford £20 an hour for both me and my brother. Like it just wouldn't happen. Um, So we had to look and focus on kind of some of the community led organisations that did creative hearts. Um, And there was one group that was called, that was actually run by my auntie. Um, It was called Quan, which was the acronym for Queen of the Night. So there was about 30 girls and then us <laughs> um, <laughs> in that group. Um, but again, it just highlighted that there was a huge need for a creative outlet for young boys because that was that was it. We hadn't, it was either that or nothing. We had literally had no choice. But in some senses, I'm glad that we got involved in that and I'm glad that we did that for a certain amount of time because actually it, it, it kind of strengthened our passion and it kind of made us think that if we're willing to do that, then we must love this thing called art. This thing called art must be something that's intrinsically a part of, of our being. And we need to try and pursue, pursue it in whichever avenue, which is why we've kind of made a career out of our passion. That's what I was going to say. So what's interesting is that what you, that void you guys met at such a young age, because how old are we talking when, you was trying mm. to find places to express yourself. Probably as young as eight, you know, well, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, when we got involved in Quan, um, I think we probably was about 12. Um, so that's a, that's a good prob- amount no, of time. Yeah, probably, no, no, I'll say earlier than that, actually, because we were in primary school. So I'll probably say about, you know, nine, 10, 11, kind of, yeah, 12, that kind of. Yeah. Um, age but we, we were in for a good number of years um but then it's interesting because you ask anybody who grew up in Newtown about us like mm. 
they always refer to us as the dancing or singing twins. Like mm. that was our identity for a very long time because that's what we did at most of the shows, at mm. most of the events. Like we was just always dancing and singing and the fact that we were so freaking good at it um, and the fact that we were twins and identical twins at that just highlighted highlighted it a little bit more. So what you touched upon last time is obviously there was a stigma attached to it. Mm. What I think is interesting is that we look at even today, yeah, so many years later, and I think if anything, in my opinion, it's getting worse with what young mm. people have to do in their spare time other than you're even a sports team mm. or you're going to get caught up on the wrong side mm. of, of the law, so to speak. And there is still stigmas attached to it. Now you've got rapping and everyone mm. wants to be a rapper and the UK music is blowing up a bit, but people that aren't in, interested in rap or can kick a football and they might be a bit more creative. Mm. You guys obviously doing the great things, which um, we'll come on to later for some people, but how how was it dealing with that stigma that was attached to you guys being... <sighs> You know what? It was um, when you're young, you just think it was it was difficult because you just think, well, actually, this is who we are in terms of our passion and our love, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know we're homosexual. Um, we were very heterosexual, and even at that young age, like we just knew who we were yeah. um, as people. Yes, we may have had you know, a few feminine traits and that's because obviously we were around females a lot more because females are the, probably the only ones who were participating in arts. We didn't have any... It wasn't the thing boys did. Yeah, we didn't have any tangible male role models mm. in arts. Of course, we had our, you know, our legend, Michael Jackson yeah. um, and those kind of people growing up. But actually, um, and he was probably our only form of either somebody who can just sing and entertain mm. Um and he was lauded. That's yeah. the thing that I found with um, when we discussed it. People like Michael Jackson were were put on a pedestal. Yeah, exactly. Every every kid loved yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah. But then if they saw you being yeah. a good version mm. of what Michael Jackson does, yeah, in their like in their city, in their town, in their mm. country, even you were seen as something odd. Yeah, something that you shouldn't be, which is it's just strange when you think about it. But. It's it's strange and it, and it, and it's really sad. And you know, we're 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 lucky. We had six brothers. Like yeah, yeah. honestly, because if they heard anything, like they'd be on it. And yeah, yeah. like, and it was the same. Like if we heard anything, it wasn't. We wouldn't have been something that we would have ignored. We would have just. We would have been on it. Like we would have. We would have been ready. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we would never ever. You know close our mouths or we would never just take or accept you know somebody's abuse or somebody's viewpoint of us it would always be challenged I and I think I, I can imagine anyone who knows true it would always always be challenged but I think that's I think it would have been a lot worse if we didn't have a big family like I'm not even just yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. my brothers I'm talking about my cousins mm. like oh, everybody knew who our family were because we were just so big and so one of a better word you're kind of lucky lucky yeah. to have that support network oh 100% it, it just makes me wonder how many people because you've you've gone on it's not like it was a a phase mm. or a fad or something you just just into you've actually gone mm. on and used all the elements so like um 
we'll talk about the the first talent mm-hmm. show that you put on mm-hmm. your brother things yeah. like that which you're now doing now both of you both mm-hmm. run the performing arts academy as well mm-hmm. um if you didn't have that protection around you or there's young people now that don't have people around them to make sure they're not bullied at the, at the end of the day um how much talent are we losing as a as a country how many how many people are we not seeing well there? this is the thing gavin and this is why we're so passionate about uh, aston performing arts which is the academy that we run mm. um our main goal with it and our main passion with it and our drive is is actually something for young people but particularly for boys and make it okay and acceptable for boys black boys boys from the inner city to participate in the creative arts and make it cool make them not ridiculed make them make you know make people kind of appreciate what they do so we have our boys you know they're winding up they're you know skinning out you know they're doing all sorts of things to predominantly challenge that stereotype that actually you could be powerful you could be a strong black boy male you could be very heterosexual but that's not going to stop you from winding up and skinning out and doing all kind of things like and i make a point of it Mm. like within me and my brother we make a point like when we're doing gigs or anything like that we we do things like the dotty wine and stuff that people just think how dare how very dare they do that but that it's things like that that i know goes way back to when we were younger when we probably wouldn't have dreamed of doing something as daring as that we probably would have been very structured with how we you, you know, just perform glad, our art. Like, you just, you know, just glad to be able to. Perform, yeah, exactly. Let alone push the boundaries. But, but now it's just like, whatever. Like we're just gonna do it, and if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it confidently, and we're gonna do it well. And now all of our, you know, boy members appreciate and they see that. And now it's it's almost like within the community and within the the Midlands, particularly, they've become lauded. They've become inspirations. They've become idols because of their relentless work and their fearlessness in how they approach the art so yeah that's amazing so um the entrepreneurial side of you started at a very young age i love this story yeah Um, we have to touch on it again your your um, talent show that you did yes 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 so first ever talent show first ever um talent show me and my amazing brother um Pelago, who's also um, by day a assistant head teacher, um, and by night runs the academy with myself. Um, but we, at seven years old, we just wanted to do something, and we wanted to put on a talent show. And it was just one of those light bulb moments in our room where we was just like, you know what, we need to do something. Like this, this area is dry. So when um, we did, so we came up with a talent show, and. We had um, a garage. Anybody that knows Newtown and that knows Alma Way, like shout out to all my Alma Way crew, like you know who you are. <laughs> um, there was probably about 50 yards from our house, um, a block of like derelicted garages. Um, you had a few garages that were occupied in this um, vicinity, but for the most part, a lot of them were derelicted and us as bad breeds, we would just open them and just use them as dens and, Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. You know what kids do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but at, there was one garage, and we was just like, "This is going to be the venue for our talent show. Like mm. it has to be." 
So um, we did. So we, we spent the whole day literally cleaning this garage up because it was a mess. Um, and, you know, mum was like, you know, what are you kids doing? I was like, just, just, just wait and see. You know, we was going in the house with like the broom and stuff like that. And my mum was like, don't you in the room outside? <laughs> it's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, um, so we just cleaned up this garage. Um, there was loads of bricks. I remember, I distinctly remember like having loads of bricks. I and mean, it was like, let's be adventurous and use these bricks as like chairs for people to sit on. Like, we, we broke every single health and safety rule going. Um, and we did and we just created a, a, a space um for this performing art show then not only that we kind of went out and looked for talent so we were just saying to everyone you know if you know anyone who wants to perform at our talent show come on down it's happening in our garages you know it's going to be the best thing in the area yeah. and um and they did and word got out and we got a few performances i think we had like eight performances um we charge people to come in. We charge them like 50 pence to come in um, to watch this amazing talent show that's never been seen before in our area. And yeah, and it was just an amazing event. Like I'll always remember the event. I, I, even to this day, I remember that the songs that the guys were singing. Wow, you know, amazing. someone was singing SWV, I'm So Into You. Somebody was singing Tevin Campbell, Can We Talk? Like someone even was... Yeah, Some someone was even yeah. singing... Um, um, was it, was it Capleton or one of the um, one of the one of the um, the I say ragga artists because it was ragga back then wasn't Bashment yeah. <laughs> um, and it, I just remember like I remember the whole event um, and it was just one of those events that was fantastic and now when I look back I just think you know what actually what I didn't know then was I was incorporating every single one of my passions and loves in terms of event management putting on an event and a talent show um platforming talent with you know particularly amongst young people and mm. giving them an opportunity and a space to perform which is what I do now um within the arts but then equally exercising entrepreneurship which is what I do now in terms of all the businesses like via charging people to come in and making a semi-profit for me it just absolutely encapsulated every single one of my loves and and exactly what I'm doing today in my career did you one thing I've never asked you it was interesting did you actually see yourself as an entrepreneur at that point do you think it wasn't even your rate because there are many people say oh yeah I always knew all my life I wanted to run my own business you know, see what? someone running so many things at once. I'll be honest with you. I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur until probably about five, five years ago. Yeah, I thought so. Like, I thought so. even like I was running the academy um, as a pastime because I always seen myself it, and the academy's, you know, a social enterprise by all accounts. It's a registered community interest organisation and we do all the things in terms of accounting and marketing and sales yeah, and yeah. and all those kind it's of things day, and, yeah. and it is a business yeah. but because i was doing that and working full-time yeah like my brother is now yeah we just didn't see as yeah, yeah, yeah. a a you know operating business i didn't see myself as an entrepreneur if you ask my brother what he is he'll tell you that he's a teacher yeah. he wouldn't say that he's an entrepreneur. entrepreneur and even though he's a director and commits to this academy this organization yeah, yeah. this business that needs to you know needs input to turn he would always say he's a teacher and it was um it was when i was going to work on my own 
as in when I was leaving full-time work, I then considered myself as an entrepreneur, even though five years prior to that, I had been doing the academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, get um, I get you. It's just, it, it's just, it's just, it's What's just interesting, crazy. What, the reason why I've asked because you was doing it and like you said, you was using all your skills mm. at such a young age, seven mm. you said, right? Mm. So really, without even noticing it, you and your brother had that entrepreneurial flair mm. just to take a derelict garage and turn yeah. it into a, yeah. into a, a money spinner yeah. no matter how much you were charging to get on yeah. the door it's something that a lot of people will look back and say that that was amazing um, but that's the thing and that's what I say to people on, on a lot of my talks particularly around entrepreneurship you know you don't actually need a business to be an entrepreneur and mm. this is a misconception that everyone has mm. has like I'm an entrepreneur but you know I need a business to be one actually no you just need to have that flair and that passion to make something out of nothing yeah, if you yeah. can yeah, yeah, yeah. make yeah, like something that. out of nothing then you're an entrepreneur yeah, yeah. if you can take a small idea and build on it it doesn't have to be a registered business you're an entrepreneur those kids in the playground that are buying sweets or from the multi-pack and guy, selling them for I heard a guy 10 brought, times more he brought hand sanitizer into his school and sold a 50p a squirt <laughs> Because of the coronavirus. Entrepreneur. Like he's, he's seen an opportunity in the market place and he wants to, you know, drive it and, and, and that's an entrepreneur. He won't have a business, but he's he's making something out yeah, of something out uh, of nothing. nothing. No, I hear that. I hear that. So I mean through school you carried on doing your talent shows mm -hmm. to the point people started getting upset with you doing so many talent oh shows. Oh my playing. goodness me. Oh it was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. You and your brother just killing it. Oh like every single year from year seven till probably year eleven. Like our school had a talent show every single year. And um <laughs> I remember that so like anybody that went to Cardinal Wiseman would know that we always won the yeah. talent shows there was no if we entered then he was with it. you know we was winning it yeah. um and i remember this one time um i don't know i can't remember the year like probably year nine or ten like everyone just got sick of us winning so um there was two um two other brothers who decided to do some comedy acts yeah, I, you know it wasn't bad it was all right um but because it was all right like everybody was like yes they've won like the twins are not going to win this year you know these two new brothers are going to win this and take this and blah 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 and i remember actually that year we sung a gospel song and we don't normally do like gospel at church like we okay. it was normally like whether most of the times when we was doing stuff it was it would be probably like from like female divas like Brandy or Monica or that kind of but this time we took a gamble and we was like we're going to do a gospel song and, and a song that we were singing at church for a while and um, oh God, it was um, what was the song I'm going to move enough the mountain I'm going to pull the devil down because he ain't got no right to be on a higher ground and we had actions and everything like it was just best yeah. and um and because no one knew that song at all, everyone just thought, you know what, like these new kids are going to win. And their names was Damien and Ryan. Sorry, Damien and Ryan for putting you on the spot if you're listening <laughs> or if you're going to listen. And then I remember before the called, like before they announced the winner, everyone was shouting, Damien, Ryan, Damien, Ryan, Damien. And I was just looking at my brother thinking, we probably like, haven't won this yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
But then obviously the teachers announced that we were the winners and everyone was like, boo, Seriously. boo. But in my head, it was just because they just got not bored because I wouldn't say our acts were boring, but they just got sick of us doing stuff in the arts because as I said, we won every single talent show, but it didn't stop there. We were in the wind band, we were in the steel band, we were in the choir, we were in How all the pantomimes. Like anything that was creative, we were there up front and centre. How come you never went down the line of being like musicians or in parents? That was it. Okay. Like I love my mum dearly and yeah. I just feel like and it's not her fault at all. Single parent. Yeah, yeah. Um and if I feel my mum pushed us. Was it the vision, do you think? She didn't, she didn't have the vision for it. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I feel like when you're a single parent and you grow up in the inner city um, and, you know, you're yeah, what I like to call um, this kind of generational self-fulfilling prophecy that you're not going to be anything called that your kids are not going to be anything great or that there was, there was, that was, there was no thinking big as Daniela would say. Yeah. <laughs> Daniela. Uh, shout out to um, Daniela. But there was no thinking big from my mum's end. And I just felt, or I just feel like, had she have pushed us, we would have definitely made it 100%. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that we wouldn't have made something in the art or something like musically, particularly at that time. Because at that time, it was quite boy, not boy band orientated, but was quite... You know, you had your E70, you had you had Ultimate Chaos, you had those kind of, you know, another level, blah, blah. So there was, there was you know, room. And even like Cleopatra, like there was... Who, it was around damage ages yeah, for the UK. So, yeah, yeah, so there was, the, there was a space, but I just didn't think... In my mum's, in my mind, my mum was thinking, there's no point in trying because we can't get to that level. You know, we're, we're not... I think, I think not even just... And with her being a single mum would have been even harder. But I think me growing up with a household with both my mum and dad there, it's just, it just didn't, it just weren't going to happen. Yeah. Get a job. And before you get a job, you need to have as much education as right. possible and just focus on that until, and, and then that's it. That's, that's the life. Yeah. It was being, that was what they did, especially in like a lot of the people you mentioned are American. Mm. And I was like a million miles, yeah. especially before pre-internet we're talking. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was a different world. It was a different planet. It might mm. as well have been Jupiter. Yeah. So it's it's interesting um, because you guys are clearly talented. Mm. I've never actually heard you sing until you oh, did it wow. just now <laughs> live, which was pretty special. A little exclusive for the podcast. But um, but yeah, you, you you guys were clearly doing doing bits through school, through the mm. talent shows and whatnot. Mm. Um, then it got to college, mm -hmm. and you you told me that obviously there was a big change for yeah. you. In, going yeah, to college so in college um it was um me and my brother was always close like you wouldn't see one without the other yeah you know like batty and bench like through and through yeah yeah like we was just each other's handbag like you just wouldn't see true without pal or yeah, pal yeah. without true yeah. it just didn't exist so um because of that um my uncle who's kind of I would say kind of like the pillar of the family, yeah, um, yeah. particularly when you, you grow up without um, a father figure, mm. you know, you, you have that, um, that support. Um, my mom's uh, maternal and paternal brother. Um, and he said like, we need to throw a massive meeting. Like these twins are too close. It's too dangerous. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. 
so um so they're having a meeting at our house now downstairs and me and my brother are just on the landing listening and we can't listen to like get get it all but we know what the gist of the meeting is right um and it you know the 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 bottom line was we're too close it's very dangerous you know if one of them dies or whatever then how's the other going to live it's blah 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 that was their main foundation of the the meeting and that actually we need to have separate lives and um and it was agreed by our parents um by parents i, I include my uncle in that um yeah i get you um yeah so it was agreed by our parents and our family members that we were to go to separate colleges like we could not go to the same college despite like we was begging and pleading to say no no you can't split us up like how could you do that like you just can't but they wanted us to carve out our own paths and our own lives and um and and we did we we had to go to separate colleges and and to this day i hold my family in high regard for for doing that because it did allow us for those two years even though after the two years we ended up back at another college doing performing arts because we went to a different college and we did different subjects like we didn't do the arts we i i done like media and oh really marketing and english and then my brother done like law and stuff it just wasn't us yeah, yeah. it wasn't us being separate and it was too much shock at once yeah. you know <laughs> being separate and then doing stuff that we didn't want to do yeah, yeah so um even so after we'd done now those two years we went back to um Joseph Chamberlain and we did a performing arts and theatre and that's where we felt at home because we were together and we were doing what we loved but we managed to experience a couple of years without each other and, and in that time it was I found my now wife I was going to um, say yeah that's when you that's when you met your lovely wife yeah and, exactly and Cody yeah and then he he met his um, even though he went to school with um, his his wife they didn't actually start speaking until I drifted away in some respects to you was blocking well <laughs> <laughs> some will say but you know i started obviously drifting away because i found a new love interest um that didn't include my brother as much um yeah. and and he had no alternative or no option but to to carve out his own his own path and i just and, and i just think sometimes parents may say stuff or they may do stuff to you as as children or young people in your best interest and you don't actually understand why they're doing it at the time but you just have to trust that they're making the right decisions for you and I've, i'll be forever thankful because um it really helped helped us both learn a lot it's amazing so through school college done your performing arts when did you actually start working when did you have your first time job so what was it um so i was always working like part-time through school and college like as soon as i hit 15 i remember just lying on my application form actually um in a whole a hotel yeah you see there was no checks yeah. like i said i was 16 and i was actually 15 yeah. um but i remember my first ever job was a malt house hotel um in west bromwich and I, I was there for at least 15 years, like just as a casual worker. But I probably worked in every single department. Um, I kind of moved around. Then my brother started working there, which was fine. My cousin worked there. She was the one that got me a job. I made lots of friends there. Like, and I was doing anything from portering to, you know, um, duty managing, receptionist, like pretty much everything within the hotel. Um, so I was always doing that whilst I was obviously at college or 
um, even uni um, and even when I left uni and started working I kind of still kind of worked there because the discounts were amazing you know you get a discount <laughs> with Radisson so I was only like doing one shift every six months just to keep my discount smart, <laughs> smart. yeah because you know it's discount everyone needs hotels and it was um, an uh, international company yeah so um when we went to like Rome or you know Amsterdam or anything we were staying in like the big Radisson's for like oh, 30 pound yeah. oh wow but, like because yeah, it's worth, we, worth one yeah, shift every second yeah it was worth it um so when i left all my family was fuming like because <laughs> obviously they benefited from the discounts too um but yeah so um we we um so but my first ever job i would say my first ever full-time job was when i took a gap year from college um before i went to uni and i worked for um DPD, um, which at the time was called Interlink Express. Um, yeah, I remember. And it was I worked in the call centre in the um, customer services part, um, and I was just bound on customer service. Like at that point, so um, they offered me a. I worked there actually for just for the summer holidays. Like I, my plan was to go to uni, like okay. after I finished college, and just get it out of the way. Um, but then I worked there and within a month they promoted me to a team leader so I had a team oh, right. okay. so I was like if I get this post then I'm not gonna I'm gonna take a gap year because I feel like this experience is more valuable, valuable. Yeah, than, yeah. than going to uni straight away um, but yeah they offered me a promotion within a month and um, it's interesting because I I went for the job with somebody who was working there for like 15 years and I was good? I was still there in my probation like oh wow how did that um, go was that conversation uh, but oh, and I was relatively young I think I probably was about if you're still thinking yeah, going between three. college and uni you must that's not yeah. you wouldn't have been in there for 15 years even if you started there on day one well, at that point like yeah like she was there like most of you know most of my lifetime I was that's just, what I'm saying you probably had son's age or close to any of her children if she had any absolutely crazy yeah. so um, anyway I was just like I'm just going for it and if I get it then I'm sorry, Lynn. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I um, I got it. So then I just thought, you know what, I'm going to stay here and just do it. And the job was just customer service, dealing with like complaints, my parcels lost, blah, blah, blah. But How I did was, you feel I doing managing that the with, team. Your, with all your creativity and all that? You know what? You, did, it, did it affect you? Did you? Nah, you know why? Because at the age of 16, me and my brother, um, we, it wasn't a business or anything, but we were at this you could do this at this t at this time we were going around to inner city schools teaching okay um singing and dancing okay like, so you still able so to we were still able to the outlet so yeah we had an outlet and it was that outlet was teaching and just yeah. empowering and you know developing the next generation and we just and so everybody knew that on a friday at 3 30 like i would always have friday afternoons off and whatever my brother was doing would always make time to to do that um, because whatever school it was it would always be after school at 3.30 this is, this is from 16 yeah so, so you've never actually stopped no 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 because no. I think like and I never knew this from the previous conversation so between 16 and the um the Aston Performing Arts Academy mm -hmm. you're starting because I know you didn't start mm. it but you start working with them was there any gap where you wasn't doing anything creatively no like anything not creatively but teaching the the young people working in the capacity that he was no i mean that's pretty special i think from yeah. 16 to carry on doing yeah 
That's yeah, a lot of the amount of people that come through from when you're doing the schools to Aston Performing Arts. Listen, the we people that the young people that you've touched. That's that's, that's we see amazing. people like the first ever school we was in was Welford Primary School, um, which is in Handsworth, and we were there for years, like years, um, and we've seen people who we taught in like the first class mm. and they see me like at simmer down or something and they'd be like oh my god mr powell i can't believe mm. you'll never know what you your classes were the best like you'll never know what you impact you've made upon my life i'll never forget you you're probably the only person who I've, i remember from primary school and they're it's like true it's important true they're like 25 and like that kind of age like and what's nice is um we in our academy like when we first joined um we had people in there who and and most just not recently had, had gone on to their own doing their own things um that we who were our very first kind of students um zolza cole who is an amazing amazing person um it's probably what i would say 25 or something now 26 or something like that he won last year's birmingham young musician of the year for bbc huge that's huge massive. accolade yeah, um he started um his creative and performing arts journey with us at primary school oh, when wow, he was 11 um and then he came and joined apaa um and was with us for a few years um and obviously he was at conservatoire for a long time and now touch your lives man you don't let people know this stuff. Um, that's amazing and now he's um bbc birmingham young musician of the of the year which to me is just in you know it's just in, it's just incredible to see his journey and i always yeah. t- i always say oh remember that mario dance that we did <laughs> you know <laughs> um he was in a group you know we had different groups for different levels um, there's A group, B group and C group and Zolza was in A group and I always say I knew he was um, A material really like from the very first day mm. that's amazing because like I said for me the way I'm wired that's that's one of the most special things you can mm. do is help people achieve goals like that mm. you obviously play that because again going back to your early years when you was in primary school there wasn't really any outlet number one there was no one coming to your school on a Friday afternoon and I think let's think about it if any, everyone's been to school that's listening to this mm. if they said to you you got to stay behind on a Friday afternoon to do anything it had to be something that you'd want to do yeah. so the people were there were just grateful just to have you guys there oh I'm my sure. gosh you know, do you know what I mean it might, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be the thing that they're looking for that'll be their, their thank god it's Friday yeah because because um, honestly our classes were rammed like they had a massive we had like 70 kids in the hall and that was just ridiculous wow. and then wow. there was a waiting list and the teachers absolutely loved us because they would use our class as a weapon like if you don't behave yeah, then you're yeah. not going to um it was called pop mobility that's what we called our thing um if you don't behave you're not going to pop mobility you're not going to pop mobility um so and they would always say please don't leave because the kids are on their best behaviour. Like, I, see, I look back and I see the shows that we've done, like some of the talent shows that we've produced at these schools yeah. um, when we were like 16, 17. And yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Like, my fashion was awful. I don't know why I would yeah. wear a French <laughs> beret to a bloody kids' talent show. But um, I look back and I just think, wow. And I was saying to my brother, actually, um, we need to do some kind of blog and we need to put some of that footage in there. So, to make people know actually we've been doing this for a very I think you very long time that that for me 
even though I was impressed with it anyway and what you guys are doing us every week it feels like you lot are just popping up at some event doing <laughs> something amazing with the um with the with the arts the performing mm-hmm. arts academy but that it's like when you see something where it is and where it's going but then to mm. also know the background of it yeah. as well where it's come from yeah. and not just the academy but what you guys have been doing that's added even more mm. value to it so I think that's amazing but we could talk about that all day but I want to mm. get on to alternative events because you reluctantly started that mm-hmm. if I'm right in saying yes so you was working after mm-hmm. uni after college yeah. after education um, and it, all what we've spoken about already you was in a position where you had no choice but mm. to to start your own business mm. and that's when you really started to realise or at least was forced to realise that you could mm. do it yourself mm. how, how did you do it? What, what? Um, so I will say you know what I, I had a passion and I always will have an, a passion for event planning and event management and he's doing it at seven so come yeah. on <laughs> um, <laughs> and so even in the hotel there was a lot of event kind of related stuff and I was always drawn to the events team um, and then I um, when I started uni my events module was just I just excelled in it and I just knew exactly what I wanted mm. um, when I worked at, so when I was at uni I worked at the drum um, full time yeah. um, and I was their ops manager there which pretty much looked after all the events on the ground um, so making sure that they all ran smoothly and um, when I did that fine and then from then when I finished uni I then moved from there to um, what's called market, what was called Marketing Birmingham which was a completely different board game because I moved from kind of consumer events to corporate events yeah. um, so I headed up um, their corporate events and I was actually very fortunate enough to you know produced amazing corporate events for some of the city's senior leaders you know by that i'm talking like at the at the time like people like andy street who was like the managing director for john lewis mm. um i even done an event for nick clegg he was the deputy prime minister at the yeah, time like you know, it was absolutely like for me one of the best kind of times in my career because I was given some huge huge projects and and huge events um I can't tell you how many events and how many high scale events that I was producing um during my time at marketing Birmingham um was there for about four four and a half years um felt like my time had ended um but during that time they had made me redundant for three months and then um a different kind of more senior post came available and then they called me to say we want you to do this would you go for it and i was like oh fine um so then i I went for it and and got it um so i was out of work for for three months which coincidentally worked in my favor because my um, little boy was sick during that time okay um so i wouldn't have been able to work anyway but anyway um long story short i left there um, went to a health and safety organisation. Absolutely boring by all intent and purposes. Um, <laughs> and it was a huge culture shock because, yes, I was doing events and I was doing stuff that I loved. And, and you know, it, it wasn't the fact that it was health and safety that was making the, the job boring. It was just the fact that they didn't understand at that point 
like Twitter was on the rise. Right. Um, I was out pretty much everywhere at Marketing Birmingham. Like I was networking like crazy because yeah, I had yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone was coming to our events who who was somebody. Okay. Um, so I already had built up quite a solid network. And um, so it just meant that I was always kind of going out to events and stuff, but they didn't believe in that culture at this health and safety organisation. They right, didn't believe right, right. in, you know, you could go to this event, but it's in your own time. They would never give him the time back. So I was like, well, I'm not going didn't think because it was work. Yeah, I'm it was not. Leisure. Yeah, but because there, there was still there, there wasn't there yet. Yeah. In terms of culture. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to I had to beg to introduce like to a Twitter wall on the first one of my first events, and I'm like, huh? Like this is standard stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, but, yeah talking about like we need to know what people are saying about our events um but anyway um I, the, one of the issues with that event um or that organization was um it was quite an international um job role um and national so it just meant that i was constantly out constantly out like out of birmingham out of the midlands out of the country as out well, of the right? country yeah, yeah constantly and um I just had enough. I've, I just had enough, you know, having a young family and just missing key, key moments um, in their life. I just thought, I just don't want to be somebody that's just in and out, in and out. I kind of want to give them routine. Mm. So um, one of the, the um, events was going to the Middle East again um, for like the sixth time and within like seven months. I was like, I'm not doing it. And um, the my manager was like, well, you've got no choice. Like, it's the job that you applied for. And when I applied for it, I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds great, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to be, yeah, get week. to fly out, you know. But it just wasn't, it wasn't as glamorous as, you know, yeah. as I thought it would be. And it just was becoming tedious. So I, um, I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm just not doing it. And in my head, I knew I wasn't going. So, um, you know, when it escalated, it went to different people in the organisation. And then in the end, there was just like, um, you've got no choice. It's part of the job role. Like, we're not having this discussion. So it's like, I've always got a choice. I'm leaving. Like, I love that. Like, I think that's so important. Yeah. I think yeah. that's so important because I'm I'm the same. Mm. Like, I'm not happy. I'm going. Yeah. You can't you can't force me to work. Well, there's, there's certain things I have to do in life. To be, <laughs> be an employee. But this is the is thing not, that, in, the this is the thing that, you know, society teaches us and particularly um, employment and when you're in employment, like you've got to do this and you've got no choice. And But there's always choices, there's always, choice, yeah, yeah. always choices. And I was like, well, I have and I'm not doing it. I'm going. So um, in my head, I was leaving to find another job because I knew I had quite a huge network in, in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. So I knew I could make a couple of phone calls yeah. and I shouldn't be out of work for too long. Um that didn't happen <laughs> just like looking <laughs> and I couldn't find anything and I was like what's going on like yeah, why yeah. can't I and because I already said that I was leaving there's no way I could say you know yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. take back the talk yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's no way I could say that oh yeah I want to stay like I was going I was following through so um I was actually speaking to um one of my mentors or at the time was my mentor um and he kind of just says to me um, why don't you just go on your own like just do it on your own and I was like what do you mean like it was like go on your own he's like I can't like I'm, I'm not ready like I don't I don't see myself as somebody like running my own business like that 
Like, even he, then, that's so interesting. Yeah, to and me. he was like, "Well, you do," and that's what he says to me. He was like, "Well, what do you think Aston Performing Arts is?" And I was like, "Well, it's a hobby." Like, because I've always yeah, seen it as a. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how beautiful that is in a, in a way as well, though? Mm, there was right. never anything other than just yeah. something you love doing. Yeah, like I've always to, seen it, and even though, like, even the year before, um, and the reason why um, we were given a mentor for. Um, for for Aston Performing Arts was the year before we was recognised as or I was recognised as one of the one of Birmingham's inspiring young leaders from um Birmingham Mail who was doing some awards. Yeah. Um and um I there wasn't there was an award and in my category there was three of us. I didn't win that award but the winner of the award got a mentor. That that was the whole okay. purpose. Yeah, but yeah I get you. I get you. They just because I emailed them after and I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. amazing. But could you just mentor me anyway? Yeah, yeah. Um, they did it. They just did it anyway. So um, so anyway, Mark was really fun. He was the editor-in-chief of After the Mail um, and, you know, Trinity Mirror. So he was really fun um, of me and the work that we was doing with the Academy. Um, and then I just remember a, um, a conversation with him and he was just like, um, if you do it on your own, you know, we'll support you. Um, we can, you know, do, you know, your marketing stuff and all this kind of stuff and your branding and your website and, and everything. And we'll help you with that. Um, and then he also said, you know, I'll give you your first kind of job as well. Like your first managing our new brand, our new campaign, which was called Wellbrum or something. And I was like, you know what, how could I say no to that? You can't say no to that. So, um, you can't say no to that. So yeah, we 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 started and we we began um, working and chipping out and yeah, and the rest is history. Back, so to yeah, speak. haven't looked back since. Just to give an idea, what sort of events have you done, or what brands have you worked with? And oh gosh, um, we've we've been so fortunate, um, with particularly in the Midlands. Um, we did the ASOS launch when they came, which okay. was amazing. Um, we've worked with um, Birmingham City University Birmingham City Council um, we've worked with um, I. my first kind of point of business was I attended my old workplace marketing Birmingham's one of their events that I used to do yeah. and then it was alright but then I emailed um, the chief and I was just like that event was shit like that's what that was my title the subject title um like the, on the day of the event and then he rung me saying i thought that like did he oh, yeah he rung me straight away was saying it, was it one of them ones where he waited to say something but he wasn't sure if he was possibly he yeah. rung me straight away saying you know what true i thought that i didn't think it was the best like what yeah. do you what do you suggest yeah, well yeah. it was just it, cl- it clearly hasn't been the same since i've left <laughs> clearly um so i was like it was like, i was like let me come in and have a chat so he um, let me. He cooked up a meeting with the marketing manager, and I went in and I was like, "Look, this is. I I need to do the event again because they're going downhill. I can yeah. stand in the attendance, yeah, um, and in the content and what you're delivering. So I'll do it, but I'm going to do it under my company, um, and you just outsource the events. And they were like, "Yeah, fine." Um, so I had a retainer with them and delivered all of their events in. 2016, 2017, and 2018. It's amazing. It stopped at 2019 when they changed brands and moved to West Midlands Growth Company. 
um, or 2018, sorry. Um, and um, yeah, so um, I did their events. Um, we did stuff like when in, when companies come into um, the UK, we do lots of their launches. And so we've done like Chang'an, some of these automobile, which is a huge, huge um, Chinese automobile kind of company. Um, multi-million pound turnover um same with Guring, um they're a german company a huge company we did their launch so it was, it, it's just amazing and then we we're really focusing actually this year and last year and um on more of the bigger stuff like the awards and stuff like that so when we've been doing the mbcc awards um which is the um business community and charity awards um that happens every year pretty amazing um last year we had beverly knight the year before we had selene henry um as well as obviously of course all the award winners who are kind of in the community doing great things and unsung heroes of our community kind of like i would say a ethnic version to pride of britain mm-hmm. um so those people who go the extra mile um who are never really recognised or thanked because in mean, the charity sector yeah. you don't really get recognised or thanked in that way and Pride of Britain is probably the only awards thing that happens within the UK that oh, wow. gives you know those ordinary people kind of recognition but to get a Pride of Britain award is so on like for example these awards are for people like me who been working with young people for a long time but would never probably get a pride of britain award okay i'll get you i'll get you but all those guys who are working on the football pitch every saturday just to make sure that our kids have got an outlet they would never get a pride of britain award but actually they can get some kind of recognition through what we're doing um so yeah so that's it's you know so it's one of those amazing amazing and and actually have become one of the pinnacle events in in the midlands event calendar um which is superb and this is all from a person that didn't ever see himself as an entrepreneur, didn't yeah. ever, didn't even think yeah. when running a business that he could run a business. Never. And that wasn't enough for you. No. It's never, it's, it's, it <laughs> never. seems like it's never going to be enough. You always want more. Because you, um, you went on to start a business with your sister. Yes. Um, so, Candy Girl. Yeah, Candy Girl Spout with a K, um, which is the UK's first pamper salon for kids. Um, we do everything from pampering kids um as just a salon experience to actually hosting pamper parties um and you know full-on extravagandas um we started in late 2017 so we've been operating now um for two years or just over um in the north of birmingham and it's to be honest it's, it's going really well we've received a lot a lot of press um and yes. tell us about the um the the Good Morning Britain. Yeah, so now, um, how that come about? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I I write a lot of blogs, and I'm very anyone that knows me knows that I'm very vocal on social media. Like, it's probably one of the things that I probably need to calm down a little bit on because <laughs> <laughs> it's um, but it's difficult because I'm so opinionated and people just get me riled up a lot yeah, of the time. Listen, I I know, but I I just yeah, I, I can't get involved because I know yeah. what I get like. Yeah. I know what I get like. My, my mouth, my mouth is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Like it's really, but sometimes I try not to. But like the Meghan Markle thing, got there and, and I have been really getting on my nerves of late, yeah. and I've had to like see and blind a lot of things yeah, 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 because 100%. otherwise I'll be 
fighting people. Yeah, and getting yeah, in trouble. If you say you're in trouble, I yeah, get you. I get 100% what you're uh, saying. So um, anyway, um, you know, we, we there was, um, I think it was like, was it Posh? Yeah, Posh and um, Victoria Beckham. She took her daughter to a spa um, and she had a facial and um, her daughter had a facial and she took a picture and she posted it on her gram. Obviously that got picked up by the press mm. um, and everyone just had an opinion about it saying, oh, how dare she, you know, she's grown, grown up her kids too fast. That's her children. Yeah, yeah. It's her children. <laughs> Um, you know, she shouldn't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there was one or two people who was, you know, telling people to kind of mind their own business. Mm. Um, but in the end, I just thought, oh, sod this, I'm going to write a blog about it in the sense of telling people to just shut up and mind their own yeah. business. Mm. Um, so I did. So I wrote a blog about it. And then I, I think it was a news of the, it's not called news of the world. It's called news of the world. Sun on Sunday. Sun on Sunday. Yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking of the world. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. And it was, um, it was, um, one of their articles or something like that on, on Facebook that they posted. And I just posted on their thing, you know, there was like, um, thousand, thousands of comments. And I just posted off, oh, you like need to get a life and shut your mouth and just do something. And, you know, here's a blog that I wrote and I put the link to the blog that I wrote. And within 10 minutes, um, I had a um, direct message um, from one of the uh, editors saying, oh, I just read your blog. It's fantastic. We really want to interview you. We really want to understand a bit more about the salon. It's like, fine, you know, more more yeah, coverage. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so they did. So they, um, they called me. Um, we spent probably about two hours just speaking about the salon and what we're doing, what our offering was, what my viewpoint was, um, whatever whatever and then um yeah the following sunday i um we had um a two-page spread article just about the response of victoria beckham and etc and what we do as a salon and what my viewpoint was and obviously they had like loads of quotes of what i was said some of them were it's really na national press by the way just yeah. want to stress that that that's yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Off a blog. Yeah, literally. And you, it wasn't like it was a strategy or you thought, if I do this, then I nah. do that. You just yeah. speak in your mind. Yeah, literally. And um, and then, yeah, that came out on the Sunday. And then on the Tuesday, um, I had a call on my mobile. God knows, I always think, how did they get my mobile number? But anyway, God knows how they got my mobile number. But it was the producers from Good Morning Britain saying, we've just read the article in The Sun on Sunday we need you to come on on Friday. Mm. And I was just like, uh, okay then. Um, and I didn't say yes straight away. Yeah. Like literally, they called me on Tuesday night and I was thinking about it all on Wednesday day. And then it's only on Wednesday night where I was like, I do it. Cause before that, like everything in me was telling me no. Yeah. Everything in me was saying, no, but what if it goes wrong? What if you say the wrong thing? How what did if you, you ruin... How did you come to the point to say yes? What was it that? Um, several different things. So um, I called to Daniela, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So Daniela is my business coach. Um, yeah. She supports um, every aspect of, of the business. Um, and she was like, I had no choice. Like, you've got to do it. Like, <laughs> stop me stupid. Of course, you can't turn it down. If you didn't want to do it, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you the worst thing you did was call Daniela. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 
so yeah she was just like yeah you got no choice yeah. um and then we kind of ran through some of the questions um but then i also called um my ex-boss yeah who was my um at marketing birmingham who was the pr you know head of pr or pr director um at marketing birmingham amanda Lowe, who's just incredible at what she does yeah. and um she started up her own company um not long after i left um which she's just doing phenomenally well so anyway i called her um and i was just like what do you think like from a pr point of view and she just gave me a lot of pointers and you know told me what to say how to handle myself you know some of the detail um about how to come across um and yeah she was just really good really knowledgeable um and kind of just equipped me and then to the point where i was just like you know what I'm not going to lose anything from going on, but I can gain a lot. Yeah. And actually I feel ready and equipped. So I was just like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll just take one for the team, swallow the pill and, <laughs> and do it. And that's kind of how I came to that decision. Don't get me wrong. Like my anxiety was through the roof. Yeah. Everything in me was just telling me not to do it. Like that fear of the unknown and that fear. Of, and I just kept thinking of the worst. Like, what if this, what if that, what if this? And then I just thought to myself, I always tell people to be fearless in their pursuit and to, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not practicing what I preach. Like I've just, and I, I want my kids to be fearless. And I, want, I always tell them be unapologetic. You know, if you're going to do it to a hundred percent, do well, blah, blah, blah. And then there's me kind of like just chickening out at something that's frightening me a little bit. So I just thought I have to do it. Do you know what's interesting? Because we're born on the same day, mm. me and your brother. Yeah. And a lot of what you're saying, it, it just reminds me of myself in the sense that I'm looking at it like you're worried about going on Good Morning Britain, but you wasn't worried about putting your blog out there on Facebook, mm. which is worldwide. Yeah. Number one. So people will probably look at that and think that's weird, mm. but I get it because mm. I'm the same, the same way when you went on Good Morning Britain, you mm. was nervous, you was, uh, you was anxious and all the rest of it. But you had a plan to mm. get the guy, I can't remember his name, that does the, web, does the weather. Mm, yeah. Alex and you Bruce fearlessly yeah. went for that plan mm. to get him yeah. to present you, yeah. which, which he yeah. ended up doing the event. Yeah. So it's sort of like a weird, and I get it too, 100%. It's, I don't know if it is to do with the 7th of yeah. August, but it's this imbalance where yeah. I'll be petrified, mm. but I'll still just do yeah. what other people think is crazy. Yeah. At the same time. It's, it's, I don't it's, know, it's I don't know what it's, it is. Like, I, I, I agree. I don't know what it is. But like, even like on the, the house, like saying to my wife, like, I have to speak to Alex Beresford, like before yeah. I leave. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Like, I have to speak to him. Like, and that could have had worse because of security. And yeah. You could have been this crazy oh, black guy that got thrown out listen, of my TV like studio. I even said to the producers when I got there, I was like, like, I need, before I leave, I need to speak to yeah. Alex Bosefed and they're like, oh, we might be busy, blah, blah. I said, I don't care. I need to speak to him. So we, when I went right. on set, everything was quick. But when I went on set, um, we done our segment and then um, Alex Bosefed was there and I was kind of literally walking off the set. But obviously when you walk off the set, then you finish, it's time to go home. But the producer was like, oh, do you want to meet Alex Bosefed now? And I was like, you were, yeah. Like I can't leave without yeah, meeting yeah, him. Yeah. So I literally met him as I walked off the set, like while they were still filming like someone was just having like a quick conversation in the corner um, and so many people would have thought no nah, this isn't they wouldn't yeah. even have they would have thought it'd have been nice if, yeah yeah whereas your determination yeah kind of doesn't match the 
description of someone that would have been nervous mm. on going on yeah. such a match. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but, I hear you. But I, I, I totally get it because people look at stuff I do and they'll think, oh, that's a, how did you do that? How how did you have the balls to mm. do that? I'm thinking like, that's mm. nothing, but I'm scared of like walking across the road. Yeah. <laughs> something crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something you don't think was basic. It's true. Like I, it's hard. It's I hard don't have a, I don't, it's hard like with that I don't have a problem with asking anyone for anything yeah, like that's your thing yeah I can go, I can go to anyone and be like because the, the most I can do is say, say no. no yeah yeah um, that's a great but I can about, you know I, if you don't ask you don't get so I would always ask but like something like just putting myself out there like I'm I guess it's just something that's in that like it, and, it, and it, it's still a journey and it's still something that I'm working on like not caring about what people think like I've come a long way um, but in my head, like I, I, I always worry about like the the response of other people and what people think and um, what if they think I'm too arrogant? What is who you know who do they think he is going on national TV? Blah blah. <laughs> what if I mess up and say something and people just you know don't take to me? What if I get trolled? Like in my head, I was just thinking all these worst possibilities that could happen, and then. But then there, like I'm speaking to the producers and even the presenters, like nothing, like I, yeah, like you just do it, yeah, you like just I'm just, it. like I, I didn't, I wasn't fearless of them or anything. I think it was just getting there that was the, yeah, it's always it's the hardest part is getting there. One of the things and the reason why I obviously had to get you on a podcast and why I think ever since we started speaking, mm. I've, I've got to know you. Your most, the most inspirational thing about you is your personal brand and how you carry yourself mm. and how you're known and that we laugh and joke about it but if I call you Mr Birmingham because if someone said to me what does because I even though I'm from London I try and hold on to my London roots <laughs> <laughs> I represent Birmingham as a mm. business man if you like your adopted home yeah exactly it's my it's my it's my new home so if someone said to me what's what's business about in Birmingham how would you describe business in Birmingham I'll send them to your website or you'll be the person mm. that I'd show that this wow. is the best um example of business in Birmingham but I also understand that it wasn't always like that for you and the reason why I find it inspirational is because I'm trying to now come out of my shell Mm. my Instagram is no longer on private Mm. for instance and Mm. I'm I'm doing stuff like this I'm 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 sitting down talking to people and putting it out on um on a weekly basis and what was it that changed for you and and what do you think the benefits of that change was We'll come on to the awards, but yeah. other, other than that, what was what was it that really clicked and made you think, you know what, I need to be who I am? I think being real, um, a conversation again with Daniela, like we we often They're have good conf- conversations yeah. with Daniela. <laughs> so we often have conversations, whether it's um and I don't even think her business was established and I think she was in the process of establishing it, but mm. me and Daniela are very good friends. Mm. Um and you know we we met when i was working at the drum okay um she also worked at the drum at the time yeah Yeah. um we just then i became chair of aspire for you which was her first business yeah um so i sat on the board um for a number of years um working with daniela um on projects and, and and so forth um and you know just over the years we've just become really close friends so we we often have check-ins um phone calls whether it's business related or family related or anything like that we have check-ins and um she kind of was like your network is huge but nobody knows really what 
you do or who you are. Mm. They just know you. And we have to translate that into who you are. So how are we going to do that? And in my head, I was just thinking, I don't know. Like, I didn't really understand. <laughs> I didn't understand, like, the power of personal branding. She's like, we've really got to sort you out a personal brand. And I was like, well, what's that? Like, what is a personal brand? And she said, when you think of um, in Birmingham, you know, certain things or certain phrases, who who do you want people to think of? So if someone wants to say something about dancing, who are you going to think of in Birmingham? And in my head straight away, I'm thinking, oh, you know, Toffee or um, Eloquent wasn't around then, but if it was now, I'll say, you know, Romana from Eloquent or Ace Dance. Yeah. Um, and she's like, okay. And if you think of business and black men, who would you think of? And I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe Joel, yeah. um, you know, Joel Blake or... Yeah, we got Joel. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was she was asking me different questions and then she came on to kind of like events and I was like I don't know and she's like well neither do I like, and and then she was like when people say events or they want to refer someone for an event I want them to think of you um, when you do want to refer someone for something creatively in the city you know I want them to, to have your name like on the top of their list and the only way we're going to do that is if we strengthen your and personal. develop a personal brand so that's how my mind started working on a personal brand and then we agreed that we was going to do that. I went away. I started researching. I read a few books. Um, Key Person of Influence from Daniel Priestfield is um, Priestley, sorry, is a very good book on... You recommend it to me and I can concur. Yeah, such a... Um, game and, um, yeah, absolutely. And like amazing book in yeah, terms of developing a, a personal brand and, um, you know, and that just changed my whole thought process. And then I was just like, like we're ready. So I sat down and... Um, me, both me and Daniela, we put together a, a a strategy, and it wasn't a big, long mammoth strategy. It was literally a, like two A4 pages about what my objectives were, what I wanted to achieve, how I was going to get there, and a timeline, literally, um, um, and obviously the medium as to how I was going to do it. And then immediately, like that day, I just start, once the strategy was done, I just started created a personal um, page on Facebook. Didn't have a website then. Started my motion, didn't have getting a website. Took some amazing pictures in an amazing blue suit um, that I brought from Zara. Um, and like just followed the steps, um, putting myself up for awards. Um, just literally doing speaking engagements, just following a lot of stuff that Daniel outlined in his book um, that I should be doing in order to develop a personal brand. And um, what year was this? Gosh, this probably twenty seventeen. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So it's it's not been think, long at all. Um, do you think the momentum that you've built up since twenty seventeen is starting to really bear its fruit now? Because, like you said, you didn't even have a website when you started. Yeah. 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 And then all the things built. And I'm yeah. asking that from, because uh, I kind of know the answer because I feel the same with me. Mm. And I look back and I think, because I started my business in 2017. Yeah. And I think back to all the little things I, when I'm doing it, it's not really that big a deal. Yeah. But when I go back, I'm like, oh, actually, hang on. I've yeah. done that and I've got this. And, mm. I, and it all just starts to pile together yeah. and compound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 100%. The, that's the I'm looking for. It starts to compound. Yeah. yeah. 100%. All those little things 
absolutely 100% starts to come together to make or create a, a bigger picture. Mm. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's really insane how everything works together to, to create something that's, that's quite special. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's all in, in tangent. Like I just, when, for example, people look at my social media, I feel like they know exactly who I am yeah. from the social media. Yeah. Like it's very and rare. You're, you're yourself on the social media. Well, yeah. there's, no, there's no pretending. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's very rare that I post anything that's not in line with who you are, who I am. So whether that's family orientated, whether that's spiritual, um, me and my Christian walk, whether that's um, through my work, entrepreneurship or my creative stuff, um, or more recently, um, a lot to do with fitness, although I'm thinking about creating a, a fitness page and yeah. having because um, I've developed a, a huge passion for fitness um, but I feel like it's kind of overtaking everything else on my social it. media yeah, yeah, so yeah. I might need to have a, a, a you know separate page or separate platform for that um, that's still something that I'm thinking about um, but in the same sentence like those are the four main things that you would see or the four main areas that you would see you would never ever see me post a stupid meme yeah. or not that the stupid because they're great for some people but on, I know what you mean. on my social media yeah, like yeah. I wouldn't post anything like that I wouldn't post anything that's untowards yeah. um, or that challenges you know I have a set of beliefs um, just like everyone else I have a set of morals and, and it might not be in line with everyone else's beliefs and morals and etc etc but I would never post anything that would put my personal brand in disrepute or that would you know expose um, any of um any of the views that I upheld, um, not to say that the views are bad or anything. I just have a separate set of. You just want to push anything views. on anybody. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. I don't put any do anything that will put my my brand in disrepute, um, and I want people to to see to 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 look at my socials and be like, right, that's who this person is. Okay. Um, and you know it 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 works. Um, it works and developing a personal brand work like I was at an event yesterday and I couldn't tell you how many people knew about me who I didn't even know it's, it's mass like it's and I'm just like how, how did you know that and I'm talking myself she me like I've, I've, let, listen, <laughs> I've, try, I've tried to be like you like I said and I go out and people are like talking like talking to me like you know I'm like, I don't know this person I turn to Lee sometimes I, I didn't even know <laughs> Joel for instance yeah I look at Joel as mm. like you do, like the, one of mm. the guys that are in business and he come up to me at an event and he's like, oh, what are you saying, Gavin? You're right. I was thinking, all right. I didn't even mm. think you knew my name. I said mm. to Lee, I didn't even know you knew my name. Mm. He's like, oh yeah, people know you out here and it's yeah. just, it's, it, it's crazy. And like, so, so for you, it must be insane. Mm. It must be absolutely insane. And like I said, it's inspiring. And I think it's important um, as someone that's doing it themselves that to come away from behind the logo. Mm. If you really want to, push your brand forward it, it's not I suppose not the only way but a very very good way in, in building your personal brand the thing is there's no way I'd be able I would be able to do all the things that I'm doing now if I didn't have a personal brand mm. because it would just associate me to this one thing this yeah, 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 like yeah. and it would be very difficult to to leave that and do something, something else, else yeah. they don't uh, get it. whereas they don't people get it. follow you so if I journey. yeah so if I was to say I'm gonna launch a new business which probably will happen more than likely yeah then because of my personal brand, people would support or be more likely yeah, to support it rather than somebody who doesn't have a personal brand who's opening up their first business. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, 
it's 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 so hugely 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 important especially in this day and age mm. just to show you how well it's working how many awards have you won what's God, that I've what's that mantelpiece looking like oh goodness me i've lost count i'll probably say in the last two years um probably eight eight awards yeah. that's good. what was the one that you was up up against with mac um, oh, that was the um, Future Face Awards from the Greater Birmingham Chamber of Commerce. Um, I'm also on the front page you are on this the front month. Page. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so yeah, um, I'm doing a lot of work um, with the Chamber of Commerce actually um, this month. I've seen I've seen you on some couple of events and whatnot. Mm. Um, with that in with that in mind, how can people find out about where you are speaking? Find out about more about alternative events, Aston yeah. Performing Arts Academy, Candy Girl. Mm-hmm. So fitness. if you um, look on my website, um, so truepower.com, everything's there in terms of all the businesses. Um, so there'll be links there to the businesses, websites, etc. Um, my social media are on there. But if, if you don't want to look on there, then you can go straight to true underscore power. All, all my um, social medias are the same, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. So it's still true without the underscore Powell. Um, so you can find out stuff there. I'm, I'm always posting stuff that I'm doing or that's coming up um, or where I'm speaking. But in, if you don't know, I'm speaking. The next speaking engagement, I think, is the 4th of April. Um, I'm doing the Money Masterclass at the Legacy Centre, both with Joel and Cypher. Oh, yeah, um, I've seen that. That looks good. Which should, should be a good event. I'm also doing one on the 5th of April um, for ATK events, I think, or something like that. Um, I don't know what it is, but, yeah, that's that's really bad of me. I need to research it and look it up. <laughs> um, I'm doing that. Um, I'm also doing um, the Grow Free People campaign, um, for the Chambers, which again is in April, I believe that's the 8th. Um, I'm also doing something as well on the 11th, the 10th, I can't remember. But those are the few speaking engagements that I've got coming up. And there's going to be more to come, so... 100%. Even if you're hearing this after the dates that he's mentioned, you can you can check out his socials and make sure you do attend them. But uh, I do want to do a TEDx so yes. you, you if have anybody actually, is out there that looks after or that knows somebody that puts on any TEDx um, talks, then please just put them my way because that's on my bucket list to do within the next 12 months and I need to make it happen. Amazing. True. Keep inspiring. Keep doing your thing, man. Thank you very much. much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No problem.